This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. When I was for the summer in the Catskills in a, in a yeshiva type of camp, I was contacted by Pilum that they uh, want to raise money in the Catskills. They want to have that on Sundays... I should take a van, which they'll provide me, and take around a bunch of uh, fellas to go raise money in the various bungalow colonies. And we installed, it was an old Chevy van, and we installed two benches in there. And whatever it was, uh, five, six, seven people were in there. And I dropped them off by a bungalow colony. I knew which ones I was dropping them off. I gave them about the hip hour to an hour to be able to collect money over there, then I picked them up and went to other bungalow colonies and the camps and to hotels, whatever it was, kept on making like that around. Uh, occasionally, uh, once or twice, I got stuck, the, the gears didn't want to shift, etc. It was a standard uh, shifting, wasn't automatic, so I stopped off by a gas station in Liberty. It was an old Fatsaita Shayid over there, and he says he doesn't have time now to fix it, but basically... You open up the hood and you move these two levers this way and the other way and you can get it in the middle and you'll be able to manage that way. And I did it for a while, you know, didn't have time, you know, every Sunday I had to bring it over there. During the week I really didn't have time to go bring it in. And then one day basically it got stuck, it wouldn't go in reverse. So there was a Chevy dealer in Woodridge named Krieger. They were the official Chevy uh, sales and uh, dealers and mechanics and everything. I brought it into them. They checked out the thing. They said they have to change the whole gearbox. They can't just fix this one thing. I said, we don't have money for that kind of thing. What could the minimum you could do? There's nothing the way we do things over here by this thing. We're an authorized dealer. We can't uh, play any of these games. We have to fix it correctly. I said, look, it's not Nagaya doesn't want. I said, just let me get out of here and I'll go to uh, somebody I don't know Liberty. And they're laughing at me and said, you'll never make it to there. You can't go out. I said, do me a favor, push out this thing. I can't get it in reverse. Push it out onto the road, and I'll try not to go in reverse. I'll go into all the gears until I get it to that person over there, and we'll do it that way. And basically, they were laughing at me, and they pushed me out onto the street. And, and uh. And, uh, I decided I'm going to drive. And I go to this, um. Old Eden in uh, in Liberty, and I show him what it is. He says, he says, you think you could leave it here for a day or two? I said, I have no choice. I said, it doesn't go in reverse, and usually you need a reverse. He just said, I have to leave it. I'll take the bus, and I'll go back to Woodridge. And that's what I did. I went back to Woodridge, and basically, after two days, I called him up, and he said, the thing is ready. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was very minimum. just needed some parts that he charged, whatever it was, $40, $50, etc., Got the thing back. And I'm riding back. And basically, as I come to the Krieger service service area, and I beep the horn, and I go into them, and I said, here it is. I say, it cost me under 50 bucks, and I got it done. You wanted a couple of hundred dollars for gearbox and everything else. I said, but, you know, this is what the person does. You know, it's an organization. It's peeling. They don't have money. And uh, this is the best that we could do, and that's what got done. And... <clears throat> Rebsholm Eisen, when the Goise Poiskim and known people in the, in the, in his show, his ankle came to Lakewood. 
and somebody recommended him to be in touch with me. He didn't know how to get himself set up and get a room, uh, get chabrus, etc., etc. So he came to me. Ah, uh, you know, I I couldn't turn down the person that sent him to me. Had to help him out. This and that. So I tried my best. This and that. I got him a room. I got him. Suddenly, I get a call from the office of the yeshiva. They said, you know, you can't just have somebody that you go and set him up in the yeshiva. This and that. Just with tuition and there's this and that. There's registration. I say, what do you want to have? There's a bocha, a masmid, a vulzitz in a lad, and he wants to know from nothing. And I'm telling you, he's a masmid. I know from other people that have told me before, and I see over here, you come, anytime you come into the basement, just talk by Nacht, and said, this person is sitting and learning. The game is the yard. No, they have to have some. So I told the office, okay, tell me what's the cheapest you're taking as tuition from somebody, and uh, let me know. They told me, kach bakach, whatever the amount was, I don't remember what the amount was. So I said, I'll pay it. I don't know if I'll be able to pay it timely, but as time goes, this will be the chiv as long as it's in yeshiva. It's my responsibility. Let him eat over here. Let him sleep over here. I'll cover it. And that's what I did. One day, the Gemakta was in Etzrol, and he decided, let me look up his Zayda, the Pshalomayzim. I looked up his Zayda. He lived over there on the third floor someplace in Bati Ungaren or one of those places. I went there to visit him and tell him that I was the one that took his Zaynikal over here and his Zaynikal Barashim. Got married after that. So the Pshalom and I remember one of the questions he asked me was, how old do you think I am? He looked very, very, very old. And I made a cheshb, and I told him a lot younger than what he looked like. And he says, the bezgerecht. He says, but how in the world did you figure it out? Don't I look a lot older? I said, yeah, but I held up was from Soros. He says, what made you think? So maybe I'm talking a lot older than you think. I say, I know that Pshalom Eisen didn't get married old. He got married very young. And I'm sure he married off his son also very young. So Mela, you know, this is the Anakal, this and that. And Mishnah Zayful, um, younger than, than, than the Zayn. He said, yeah, you're right. The kids uh, had a little schmooze with him. And Baruch Hashem, everything was fine. Uh, I was like to basically help us as Anakal, basically, for the period of time that he was here. And I went with another Shiva to visit one of his Talmidim when I was in that show. He used to come to one of the Talmidim over there <coughs> to visit. We come there, and it was a little bit odd that the Talmud was home when he really should have been by say the learning. So the Shiva asks him, uh, "What are you doing now, home?" He says, "My wife is expecting." He says, "What's up, Medesatan?" He says, "The problem. What happens is, uh, once or twice a day she faints." I went to the doctors, and they said, "You know, somebody's got to stay with her the whole time. There is really nothing they could do about it." He says, "You know, it makes a very big oil." He could only go out, basically, he could go out for an hour or two to do shopping, get can get a little governance, this and that, but he's got to constantly be in the house, available to the house, just in case she faints, which happens once or twice a day. Sometimes goes by a day that she doesn't, but he says on average is what happens. So the Shiva didn't know what to say, so he looks at me, I said, what do you want from me? I said, listen to me. Me and the Shiva are going to stay in your house now. I want you to go take a bus right now to Kei Gay dead to the Mamarachal, tell her what the problem is, and I'm telling you she'll find a solution and you'll never have this problem again. And he sits and looks at me. I say, No, don't sit and look. Pick yourself up now and go to the Mamarachal and Zaymus followed up and I'm telling you she'll help you out. She understands what you're going through. He picks himself up, he goes, about an hour and a half later, two hours later he comes back. And Bikitsa, this Roshiva was in touch, I was in touch with him, he was in touch with him afterwards, a week or two later, this and that. He says she never, ever fainted again. It was a mamish, a complete Yeshua. 
that his wife was basically this and that, and afterwards I heard she gave rebirth another few kids, this and that, everything. She's never had that problem again in her life. The famous Mir Yeshiva used to <coughs> make a dinner in New York every year to raise to raise funds, etc., etc. And Reb Nosson Tzvi Finkel was with his Parkinson's, this and that, Shlapt and Gamata very much. And for a number of years, basically, I took care of Dajgacha by the affair they did in New York. And I was responsible for the conscious of it. And every year, the Shiva Reb Nosson Tzvi used to send somebody into the kitchen to call me out in front of his oilum to give me a grace yashkoyach for taking care of this thing for him, so everybody could feel comfortable, they could eat, they could feel very comfortable, etc. Then, one time, the caterer was bothering the office, and he says, you know, this mashgiach, uh, this rabbi, gives me a hard time, he doesn't let this, he doesn't let that, I could really make a nice affair with other things, I could find your mashgiach, that's good enough, gets him, they made a conference call. The caterer, the New York office, there's another one or two younger lights with the Rashiva of Nasser And they tell him that this is what it is, and this Mergiach, you know, he's uh, he knows what he's doing, but he's uh, a little bit hard on the caterer, doesn't let them do certain things. And we have somebody that's good enough. So uh, Nasser says, what? He says, I, n- I never have in my vocabulary the words good enough. By me is only the best. And everybody knows that this mashgiach is the best that there is. There is no such thing as good enough. And he hung up on them. And basically, if they was nifter, basically next year they went, they took somebody else, or whatever they did was they took. They didn't need anything else, even though they lost three wanted this, but that's life. Somebody sent me with a shlichus from, uh, from America. <coughs> that when you make stroll, there's uh, some buildings in Svas. And uh, it's the Menachem Parish on behalf of Agud is very much involved in those new buildings they're putting up or they put up already. And got to see if we can get some people to move in over there, etc., etc. Here's a letter introduction to Menachem Parish, and I want you to meet with him. Okay. I call up the Menachem Parish's house, and his wife says he's in the Misradi in his office. Okay, I didn't call the office or anything. I picked myself up. I knew where the office was. I go down to the office, and the secretary uh, comes out and says, what do you want? So I said, I'm here to discuss a certain project with the, with the Rov. He says, well, the Rov is not taking anybody this week. There's no appointments. And what kind of is this? again, no appointments, no nothing, this and that. I said, his Rebbe told me he's in the office. So I came down. He says, no, sir. I said, you know what, wait a minute. I went and wrote up a little settle and put in an envelope, and I wrote, I came about this and this project. If you can't see me today, I'm not going to be able to come back. And that's it. And I told him, take it in. So he turns around to me, he says, you know, it's not right to write such a thing. I said, you just give it to the Rov. Kids, uh, I come in, and the Rov uh, tells me, uh, Come on an appointment or something. Was for a mice. Was a boom. So I said, "Midachzach, as the rov's sight is too tired, as midolzach vapatzken and midazol chazachin. Let's handle the parsha. This is what it is. Tell me what the details are. I want to be able to see the project and see if this, these people could put together people to fill up the buildings over there as you want." He's okay. 
Give me your contact information where I can find you over here in that show, etc., etc. Okay, I'm good. <clears throat> I come back to the deal where I'm staying at by the Shekhinimishbacher, and they told me, Oi, Gewalt, you didn't call him at all. The Menachem Parish's office called twice already. They're trying to track you down. I said, Okay, give me a telephone number, I'll call up it. He says, yeah, it's a short, it's already late, this dad can't go today, I would have had you go up here to the Swast today. Let's make it more than the free, the car will pick you up, whatever it was, 8 o'clock or so, and this and that, you'll go. The kids says, they picked me up, I went out, I saw the project, I spoke to a lot of parties, we were invited, so again, Lamaisa on the end, that didn't turn out, I don't know what the, the problems were that they couldn't get certain things that these American people wanted to have, and it's in Kensushtown. So on my side, I think this Rabbi Aaron Stefan Vizhnitz is the one that took over most of those buildings over there and put it mostly, I think, Vizhnitz people and some other people, etc. When I was there in Estral, I, I went a number of times. I went to the Kaduri and the Sivas. Went to get a bracha, etc. Um, and basically, one at a time, basically, gave me a bottle of water. I was there with the, with another Yid. And we had the yes for a bottle, I had a glass bottle, gave me, and we're waiting for the bus on the corner. We put it down on a, on a stone um, stone fence-like, and waiting for the bus. Suddenly there was no wind, there was nothing, the bottle turns over and the bottle breaks. I and the other one was devastated. Here we have the bottle of water from the Kazuri, and the thing breaks. And so I decided to go into uh, Makola to go into a store. I'm going to buy some sort of drink that has a plastic bottle. I'm going to finish that and then I'll go back. As I'm going back with the bottle, the Gabai from the Afkaduri comes running. He says, Oi! The 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 Rav just sent me to tell you not to use that water, Bishemoifin. It's a good thing I caught you. He told me you must be by the bus. I should get you not to use that out. Spill it out and come back and we'll give you a different bottle. There's a problem with that bottle. Bakshim went back. We got it. Everything finally. Another time when I came to to Rav Kaduri, the I went in. I asked for a bracha, etc. I didn't understand what he was talking because mostly he spoke in Arabic. And then the the Gabai tells me, you're here with a car, right? I said, yes. He says, the, the Rav Kaduri wants me to take his wife to the market to do some shopping. Okay, look. Huh? So, I didn't know where the market was. He explained to me where the market was. I took her to the market. I waited for whatever it was a half hour. She came back. Okay. Then he told me that, that he wants me that uh, I should come back into Rav Kaduri. I go run back in. And then he tells me, that this and this day next week is Rishchidosh. He makes it Rishchidosh Suda this and this time, and I am invited to Rishchidosh Suda. Okay, because I figured the stomach from the tens of thousands of people that come, everybody gets invited. It must be a mob that gets piled up over here. So you know, naively, uh, I basically did not go that time back to the Rishchidosh Suda. When I mentioned it to somebody a day or two after. The Rishchidosh, he says, what? He says, from the thousands that come, he picks out 10, 12 people, and that's who he makes the Rishchidosh suitor for. He says, he had lost a very, very great opportunity, but lost is lost, what shall I do?
I decided I wanted to go to Vesak Holman. <clears throat> this was the day that I believe Malin was uh, Yoshiba there. And uh, I so spoke to my father. <coughs> my father learned in the Mir in Europe that Billy Malin was also there. He didn't learn with him directly, but Mitzchik Kent. And, and my father called the Brave Malin, and they made us man. I should meet them at this and this time, and this and the shul in East New York. Okay, went down there, father, and father spoke to him. They started speaking about their history, you know, from all the years, and they didn't see each other, etc., etc. Then Abraham Malin did a turn to me. I was kind of young then, whatever it was, 16, 17. And he says, Belcha Masech does the Gilead, which Masech does I told him the Dorim. So he says, which Perek? I said, the whole Masechta. So he says, do you know it? I said, I think so. And I saw right away in his eyes, the twinkle in his eyes, that I made a big blunder and a big mistake for saying that. And he was surprised, you know, a young fellow like that, and he said, you know the Dorim? Uh, two, three minutes later, he turns to me. He says, what's the smallest run in the Dorim? And what does the run want? And he continues talking to my father, and I'm thinking and thinking. I know Iran over here with five, six words, here with four. Gets a, I told him the one that has, I think, about four words. And this is, the, I think, the smallest Iran, and this is what the Iran wants. So he tells me, first of all, that's not what the, the smallest Iran. Second of all, that's not what that Iran wants. And maybe I should go to a different yeshiva. Goodbye, Charlie. So, I was kind of devastated. My father didn't hear what he told me because he turned towards me and my father really didn't pick up on it. But I was really devastated because I really wanted to go to Beis Talmud. So, I'm staying there feeling dejected and uh, thinking a little bit. Then I turned to him and I said, Vifalazega is Shachris. And he looked at me with open eyes. You know, I told you to go to a different yeshiva. And you ask me what, what time is Shachas, you know, where, where are you coming from? Where are you going to die? Go, you know, what do you, what do you want from me? So he decides he's going to answer me, and he says, Baruchu is five to eight. So I turn back to him, and I say, Vos Baruchu, ven Baruchu, ven Heitman on Davenin. When do we start Davenin? So he turns to my father, he says, A Baruchu Vasich Veis will never come late to Davenin. Such a Baruchu I need by me Yeshiva. And that's how I got in. I found out later that it meant so much to him, it bothered him to no end when a bocha came late to Davani. He just could not forgive himself for such a kind of thing. For a while, I learned by, uh, by Rapshol Bruce. And Rapshol Bruce was very interesting uh, in his learning and everything else like it. And very often, he left off the day and left you with a question to think about. And the next day would ask you, what did you come up with an answer? What did you come up with an answer? All these kind of questions like this, you know, to really push you to the end. And at that time, his wife was sick. In the, she was in the hospital or in a, in a rehab place. I'm not sure where it was exactly. I think, it was, yeah, it was a rehab. The kid said, it was my day to go bring her her food. It was, it was a mahalach from Beisit from Talmud. And you have to go by train, etc., etc. And I took the food and I went. And uh, brought the food to her, and somebody was there to take care, take it from me, and uh, feed her the or whatever else it was. And as I'm going back, 
I meet Rav Shaw Bruce coming down the steps from the train to go visit his wife, and I was going up. So he stops me on the steps, and he says, No, what's the terrace of us, my I said, look, I just went and slept to bring your wife the food. I said, that's not what I was thinking about. So he tells me, what's what I'm saying? What do you mean you're not thinking about this thing? That should be on your mind. It doesn't make a difference where you're going. You're going to my wife. I'm thanking you very much for taking time. I'm going to is basically unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah, at that time, the class was... Some, I don't remember all the all the Talmudim um, were in the class, but he was there. What's his name? Mendel Shafran, who's now um, a big uh, Dianet Shal, and uh, Litzman was there in the class. I don't remember who else. And we can't forget the story with Yosel Shumacher. Yosel Shumacher basically for a while uh, stayed not by us, but by basically um, a tenant that we had in the house upstairs. So Yosel Schumacher was brought to there, and that's where he stayed. And basically, um, I used to fight with him, because he wanted to have the bicycle, and I wanted the bicycle. He wanted this thing to play with and that thing. Then I asked my father, how come he doesn't go to school? So he says he has a heart condition. And he says, anyway, don't fight with him. If you want the bicycle, give him the bicycle. Give him what he wants to have. You know, it's Rachmanus on him. He has a heart condition. And then people are taking care of him, this and that. But he never let me, my father, get into any details to ask him too many questions. Who, who is he from? Who is he Yankala, his name was. I mean, not Yossel at that time. Because um, then one day, if he was here for a while, Nelam Gavarim, whatever it was, they, they took him, they took him someplace else, etc., etc., and he was basically gone. And, uh, yeah, she was in our house also for a while. What's her name? Elus Ben, uh, ben David. <coughs> She brought up, she had some stones from the coastal that she had. She had other things with very interesting stories that she was saying over. And basically, and then she also vanished where it was. I have no idea where they went to. And, but she's not the one that picked them up and took, took them at that time. It was somebody else took them. I didn't really know who. A few days later, um, real Bnei Brak, uh, comes by us in the house. He has uh, some uh, stomach issues and he has to be over here for treatment in the hospital. In an abnabus, I mean, the real Bnei Braca. Because uh, after a while, this Bnei Braca, which I found out later, told my father that really what he was sent over here by Abonim and Etzrol is to locate where Yosla Shumach is. And he was going to stay in the, the person's house and this and that. So my father told him, Nechel said, You have a right to do it. So he says, The police can let Shom Gazak that they're lighting very, very bad. And Madaf is told because he says the start in America, let's go to one of the <coughs> post come over here in America, and I, I don't remember the name who it was. He went to somebody very chashev together with that one, and Yenak Kazak that can pass him that says Mutter Abedah is a space the Amasira and Atzicha whatever else it is, and you have no right to do anything, etc., etc. And you can't do anything. So basically, uh, at that time, so. Um, are we, the children in the house, had no idea that that's what that need was here for. We kept him, you know, whatever he wanted to have. We gave him this and that, etc., etc. We never knew. And basically, but the day after um, Yosel Shumacher was found in uh, Williamsburg, basically a day or two later, he was gone, went back to Shon, that was it, but that's the reason. I used to do some uh, Ashkoches, uh, still do some Ashkoches for 
weddings or mitzvahs or other kind of private affairs for people, Shabbosim, the kids, uh, I was called to do a job in Long Island by a caterer, and <coughs> by the Balsimcha, I worked both with the Balsimcha. <coughs> and I sent them in my list about uh, five, six weeks in advance of what my requirements are. I don't hear back from them, which is very surprising. I call up the caterer. I told them usually the first time that I said that I do um, work by somebody, they usually have a lot of questions to ask. And I told them, he says, no, we went through the list with the chef, with the workers. We could comply with everything without any problem. I said, okay. I call him up again two weeks before the affair, ask him again. He says, absolutely no issues. I come there. It was a Sunday morning. Come to 8 o'clock in the morning. I meet the mashgiach, very fine, nice young man, uh, yeshiva man. The kids, I look around a little bit, and I notice that the under the table, the wine that they're using to cook is namavushal, and all the workers are going. So I ask the mashgiach, what's this all about? And I show him it's namavushal. He says he uh, it, it was an oversight. I say, could I see your wine room? And he takes me to the wine room, and I see a lot of his wine is not. And that's the standard they've been doing. So I started realizing I got some problems over here, and I saw some other things that were problems, and because I wasn't letting them use this or that, so they went to the Meshkir, and they said, what's with this uh, rabbi over here? He's really hindering us from getting the party out. He says, every single one of these things that he's bothering you was on his list. If you decided to ignore the list, it's your problem. Because uh, 10 o'clock, in walks a uh, nicely dressed Italian in a three-piece suit. He walks in and he says, gives me his hand, and he says, Rabbi, I'm the boss of this catering establishment, and my people tell me that you are disturbing them from producing this wedding. I say, okay, we'll soon get to that, but what is this over here that you have a pistol in your belt? He says, well, I carry a lot of cash to the bank, and I'm not going to walk around to the bank without having a pistol. I say, well, today is Sunday, and the banks are closed. You came to intimidate me. Now get out of this kitchen and close the door behind you. Do not come back in. Otherwise, this party does not go out today. Goodbye. He goes out and closes the door. Five minutes later, he calls up. And he says he wants to come in to apologize. So I take the telephone and I say, I am not a school teacher. I don't repeat my lesson. I told you you are to stay out of this kitchen until this affair is over or this affair will not take place in this thing. And I gave you I gave you in a list weeks in advance and I don't want to hear again from you. And he picked it up and he left. Come home, so my wife asked me, how in the world do you take a chance with an Italian like that to challenge him on his turf? I said, I have to make a decision. I undertook a job. I had a half a second to decide either I'm in charge or he's in charge. And I undertook it, so I'm in charge, and that's the way it's going to be. And that's the way I left it at that time. A few weeks later, I get a call from that caterer. Dad, he'd like me to do another job here, and we'll comply with everything. I told them, you call up your regular cautious organization. If they want anything, they should give me a call. They called me up, and I told them, I know that in the middle of the term of what you have with them, a contract, you're not going to drop them because they're Italians. 
but I dare you to renew the contract with them when it goes over. One that comes and threatens a mashgiach with a with a gun, you don't renew that kind of uh, thing. And if you are going to renew it, I'm going to have to do what I have to do. When I learned in the Mir Yeshiva in uh, in Flatbush, uh, sort of a Victor Miller used to. Uh, say uh, share once a week or twice a week on Chumash, which I wasn't that uh, that share or so. Then I asked him if we could maybe make a vod in the evening for a number of vachrim that we want to have a vod from the mashgiach. And the ketzer was set up for Wednesday at eight o'clock, and we had a, uh, some one of the people, one of the vachrim had a car and he used to take the five of us to East New York. We had a Victor Mill lived, I believe, it was on the second floor, and we used to come there, you know, right before eight o'clock, etc. One day, for some reason or other, the driver was late, with about ten minutes. Come into the house, I walk in the first one, and as I open the door, I hear him saying a vod. So I said, one second, is this the right night that we're here? We having a vod with somebody else? He's in the middle of saying a vod now. Said no, as far as I know, he has no other vod with anybody. So we go upstairs, and he's sitting by an empty dining room table, and he's saying his vod. And it was kind of embarrassing. We sit down, and as we all sit down, we start feeling comfortable. He says, and as I have just explained, then he's quiet. And we basically were so embarrassed. But one thing is, we never, ever came late again. Rabbi Vigda Miller was a Rabbi Vigda Miller. And that was the first vod that he started, and that was it. He starts on his time, and he ends on his time. You're there, you're there, you're not there, you're not there. I was once hired to do a wedding in the Huntington townhouse in Long Island. It belonged to um, really my uh, fryer caterer. They had a number of kitchens over there, and they had one kitchen, which was basically a designated kosher kitchen, which so-called they kept it locked, and only uh, for formal affairs, etc., etc., I wasn't sure the exact set of what it was, but it was a thing that was kept locked. And um, I get a call from the Majgir, or whoever is taking care of this this caterer, the regular Majgir, says, we would like to put in our caterer here on Friday, the affair is Sunday, Sunday's going to be very hectic over here, so we want to know if I could go in over here, put paper on the shelves, and put our caterer in, into this kitchen, so when we come working, whatever it is, uh, 8 o'clock Sunday morning, we're all ready, and we don't have to spend an hour or two putting in the kalim. So I said, look, I want you to open the kitchen, to be there when they load out the kalim, and walk up the kitchen. He says, fine. Okay. I come to 8 o'clock in the morning. I ask him, are you here Friday? He says, yes, I took care of everything. Everything is under control, etc. I noticed the kind of red paint that they had on there was a very odd color red paint. It wasn't the regular red paint that you see <coughs> that caterers are using on their Fleischig uh, pots and pans. It struck me odd. I was by enough caterers, very odd. I take a little uh, walk, a spazier, and I'm walking around to take a look in the other kitchens, and I see some of their other utensils is marked with that same red color. Say one second. That means this is not a red color that this caterer uses. It's a red color that Huntington Townhouse uses, which is something very, very odd of what's going on over here. 
so I asked uh, one of the chefs there, I said, how come it's the same color on those pots in that other room? He says, I have no idea. Maybe they have to kosherize certain pots. I don't know what the story is, but this is the color that we use over here. Okay. So I'm going and I start looking around. Something doesn't add up to me. And suddenly this mashgiach saw me looking around and going to the other kitchen asking questions. Uh, he realized that there's, I'm onto something over here. So he told me they just got a call. Somebody is sick in the family. He has to leave and another mashgiach will be here very shortly. Okay, and another Mashgiach came, who knew nothing, and he told me nothing. I turn over some of the pots, and I see engraved in it is H-T-H. That means these pots are really hunting on townhouse pots. They're not from the caterer. So I asked the caterer, what's this? He says, no, we brought our pots, everything, so I wasn't here. I said, listen, this has H-T-H. You're telling me that you have all your pots that you took from the hunting townhouse, and you took it to your place, and you cashed it. I said, it doesn't need to be enough. I look around more on this and that, that I came to the conclusion this was all a fraud that was pulled on me, that it was really hunting on townhouse pots. They never brought in any of their pots below here. So I told the one, this was basically, I caught it pretty early in the thing. There wasn't many things that was in the middle of being cooked. I said, look, whatever you cooked already, this and that, you got to dump. Take it out of here. We're not using it. You're going to go take out all these utensils from this kitchen, put it somewhere else. Bring me your utensils from your place, or you bring me everything disposable, pans, and you bring me some pots and some jars, etc., etc., but this stuff you're not using. And this it made, it made a big uh, problem over there, a big balagan, but I was very firm and insistent on that happening over there, and they went to it, and afterwards, then we had other problems over there, that there's certain food that I told them not to take out of that room, they did. I had to spill it out, etc., etc. But it was basically they, they tried pulling such a dirty kind of thing over here, which things I don't know how many other times they pulled. But the, the one that gave that gacha over there on the on that kitchen place over there, not on the caterer specifically on the kitchen, was okay because the chafke dropped that ashgacha because they wouldn't give ashgacha to a caterer that has a kosher or non-kosher operation. No, he doesn't either. So, but over here they, we see now that they really fell in bed with that kind of thing, because they didn't really take care and have their proper pots engraved properly, get things locked up properly, somebody really checking properly, etc.